Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sambuddhasa Udang namang sangang namasami This is one of the most uh, useful things to to bring to mind and focus on is is uh, contact uh, both specifically particular impressions that occur and also a larger picture of being contacted things touching things evoking things uh, delighting things saddening it's being affected it's kind of Everything's happening to me. So that that whole sense with this for good or for bad means that you know one is either a hunter or a or prey. <laughs> Sometimes either you're the skier or you're the avalanche, <laughs> the surfer or the person under the wave getting splashed on. And it can often we, we sit out with us surfboards and end up being feeling rather drowned and pummeled by it all. And so we're out out there in the realm of contact, and you know you can to a certain extent you can kind of um, you know shift it around a bit, see different things, hear different things put up some walls, put up some doors, turn the lights down, put the music on and so on. You can kind of, to a certain extent, adjust the the material, to a certain extent. But uh, one begins to see, realize more clearly, that's when, you know, just experience is that the these external forms of contact are not that reliable and they're not really the main point actually you know a bit of the place we were in that was a haven one day becomes so what the next day and then the next day becomes some dumpy old place I've got to sweep up in you know And so it's, it's uh, yeah how these how these things get registered and the particular ways there's another level of contact which is called designation or internal contact is that what we make of something is that saying of James Thurber's one man's fish is another man's poisson. Shakana Songu and all that. It means, you know, that, that you can the same apparently the same um, object can create different impressions. Not just objects but contexts and of course people. Uh, you know, create very different impressions. And so we 
you know, something, and then we can feel, well, I'm in a bad mood today, or, you know, I'm really a bit tense today, or I'm a bit depressed today, yeah. Or, you know, how do I, so how do we kind of feel that the real point of it is the, this, um, the kind of tone of the heart, really, whether you feel tight, agitated, whether you feel kind of sagging, overwhelmed, whether you feel fresh and receptive, whether you feel we want to move forward, we want, we want, we want to get on, we want to have, we want to make it happen, what's the point of hanging around, or we, or we want to go, or can we just slow down a bit, you know, just take it easy, I could use some space right now. You know, what's the tone of the heart? And this is the really the paramount bit Actually, it's just as well, because this is actually, this is the bit that we can do something about. And we can shift some of the other items in our, in our universe, whether we go this place or that place, this person or that person, this food or that food, this sound or that sound. You can shift it a bit. But eventually you keep coming back to these kind of repetitive internal impressions. You know, one feels... Frustrated or uh, not getting the real bit that one wants—a bit dried up, a bit stale, a bit, you know—and there's just getting this stuff is getting played out in in different scenarios, and we begin to recognise this. Sometimes it's when one has a bit of free space. I, I Particularly, I remember when I was uh, in my 20s, you know, I did quite a lot of traveling. I used to really enjoy traveling. I liked the sense of the, the open road, the free space, you know, just stand by the side of the road, stick your thumb out, and where are you going to go? Just down, just further, wherever, just somewhere else, that's all. And a sense of, well, it's open. Uh, and just going to some other place. I was very interested, I quite enjoyed that feeling of the openness and then going somewhere new, different, and having to kind of, when you're new and different, when it's new and different, so maybe all the antennae have to be out and you have to freshen up to really notice and sense and be agile and alert to, to the situation. I really enjoyed that. I'd get bored and at home same old drudgy routines, same old people, same old stuff. We really hate, really bored, hated routines, hated work, um, hated duties, hated responsibilities. Want to give me space, new, the fresh. You know, my surfboard, my emotional surfboard. Uh, and yet, you know, actually, when you're travelling, a lot of it was pretty drab, actually standing by the side of the road for two days waiting for somebody to give you a ride um, standing in the rain, sleeping in the rain eating kind of stale bread and stuff um, so you get a bit tired of that and also you tend to get into a, a state wherever you go you meet people who are saying how good it was somewhere else and where they're going next so you get to Istanbul, well, it's Istanbul, and somebody says, yeah, yeah, Istanbul, I'm, I'm going to Kabul, I'm going to, I'm going to Kathmandu, it's really great over Kathmandu, you know, so, they get, so they're going, or I've just come from Prague or something like that, you know, wow, 
It's always somewhere else, you know, that, that kind of feeling of it. You never actually get anywhere. And then I found after about, after about a year or so of doing this kind of thing, that you get somewhere, and first of all, you'd be interested in where you were for maybe, you know, a week or so, before you start to go, oh, same old place, same old people, da, 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 da. And then it got to be a day you were interested. And then after I was, I was almost bored with the place the moment I got there. <laughs> and I, I got to the point, I think when I, I travelled across, I got down to Bali, you know, which is, you know, amazing. In the 1970s, sort of tropical paradise, uh, amazing place, Hindu deities, mount volcanoes and beaches and people all kinds of stuff, surfing and things. I wasn't into surfing personally, but it's nice to at least be around where other people are doing it. You feel into something that's kind of alive. Um, and I got there. I got there. I got the bus. And immediately, immediately, I was bored with it. Uh, you know, so I went to. I'd been to um, Barabador. Fantastic, amazing, ninth-century huge monumental mandala, this vast, like a pyramid in stone, Buddhas everywhere, this fantastic multi-storied mandala of, of Buddhas, got there, got off the bus, this is in Java, got off the bus, looked at a Buddha, looked at another Buddha, oh, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> so what? <laughs> <laughs> I got to Bali, I was getting this, this so whatness was getting faster and faster. And uh, I remember the idea was going to go up this, this mountain, which was a vol- volcanic thing, mountain dedicated to the fire god in the Hindu pantheon of some fire or the other, in the middle of Bali. Thought, this is, this is going to be amazing. And I got, I got a third of the way up in a jeep, stopped off at a cafe, had something to eat, then when I got halfway up, and I didn't even get to the top, (laughs) I got to get to a monastery, (laughs) I got to get into, life is just the, the, you know, the the ability to be fresh is just getting smaller and slower and slower. You know, it's running out, the ability to be fresh. It was nothing wrong with the planet, really. It was just the mind, the contact base of the mind was just getting uh, drearier and drearier because one approached the whole of the world from a point of view of, of something I can eat, something I can gobble up, have another experience. And... Uh, that's a very unsatisfying place to come from. You approach experience just like something to have. And, you know, it doesn't take long to recognize you have an experience and then it comes and, it, yeah, you get this kind of trill and then it goes and then you have another one. And you can't store up the trill. You can't store up the little flutter, just a little resonance. And then it... Another do something else, get another little resonance, and, and then you begin to something you begins to sense this, and uh, it gets very eerie. You know, 
when one is actually just looking for a resonance and uh, you're seeing it's not really dependent upon what's out there it's dependent on one's own ability to be resonant and when you're being uh, <coughs> when your mind is uh, focused on having and holding and getting it's not very resonant it's actually it's like the, the, the quality of a hand when it's, when it's like a claw is not anywhere near as, as resonant or as sensitive as when it's open like a palm you know when the hand is fully extended then you get the deepest, fullest, most sensitive contact impression, don't you? When it's twisted into a claw to grasp, you've got the most limited form of contact impression. And I think that's what happens to the to the heart, you know, when it gets caught into this. You don't even realise I certainly didn't realise craving. You know, it wasn't the word I'd have used, just interested and you know. So it's not, not a conscious decision. It's just a automatic a, a, a set that one's mind gets heart gets placed into. That you you go out and have something, you know, and this is a kind of way our lives often get programmed. You know, have a live your life, have some good times, have something to eat, have so have and have and have and try to get as many of the good things that you can have. But it, it's, you see, it actually puts the mind in a very, or the heart, in a very unresonant state. Because yeah. its ability to make contact is determined only by certain programs of... of, of um, Grasping and holding. It's not just stand, wait, receive, uh, and be with the sense of of being sensitive, rather than the object. If one begins to, you know, fathom more fully, I didn't get it at all. But um, when I started, I just thought I've got to get, got to sort something out in myself. This is ridiculous. You know, I'm having as good a time as I can. I'm bored stiff. Um, <laughs> uh, so I get to a monastery and get meditating or something, do something to it. You know, then you sort of want to have some spiritual experience. And the first time I tried meditating when I was about 16, I had this, this similar structure that was from... A, so you just look into a flower, look into the heart of a flower, and the universe unfolds. So I got a flower, looked at it, bored. <laughs> Perhaps the universe is boring, it's just unfolded. <laughs> I'm sure that in a way that it could be quite true and very deep, but I didn't know how to, how to see a flower, I could only see it with my eye. And the mind was saying, "Well, come on, do something. Happen. I've been here three minutes already. What about what about results? You know." So we see something in the eye. It isn't, it's not really the point. It's how to touch it with the heart. Yeah. And it, it it brings up a very deep point about contact. Is that of course um, 
it's not always about craving and in a kind of greedy way it's a lot of sometimes, sometimes the heart is closed by defense because if I contact something it's going to contact me you know if I if I open up to receive something then you know I might get it but it's going to get me and there's going to be a bit of mutuality there and I don't know if I'm too happy about that you know I'd like to have it but not not get not get, I'd like to touch it when I want but not be touched by it if I don't want uh, there are unpleasant things out there um, so one kind of can have this heart which sort of flashes open to, to or tries to get something but isn't actually comfortable about being open because it's also vulnerable and what contact is about is this this uh, you know the the real, the real possibilities or need or what, what is required in contact is to be able to be capable of making contact you know, in, a, in a full way. Which means one, isn't, one is trusting, one is open, one is not uh, impatient, one is not hankering. You know? And then there's a sense of a kind of quality... of resonance not having an experience but just uh, feeling part of something and this was the bit I didn't really get you know, you know somehow the, the contact programs are all about me being separate from things and you reach out, get something but you don't have to be part of it you can just stay separate and get it and put it in your piggy bank and then wander off and then unpack it somewhere then go and have something else and unpack it somewhere and go and have one pack that but it doesn't work but to actually be part of something well I don't want to do that because I might not like it it might, it might be dangerous it might be painful so this is not deliberate but that's the kind of uh, way the heart jitta the receptive heart seems to get conditioned because we don't contact is a is a risky business. We want it, and we don't want it. We want the good stuff. We don't want the bad stuff. So part of one leans forward, and one one draws back at the same time. So you see, like a real re- requirement. Well, that is a sense of safety, isn't it? You know, you know, where, where there's enough trust to to be to be participate, to be involved, be touched by things. And uh, when one begins to take refuge, that word becomes meaningful. You know, more than just a, a poetic description. It is really a place where I feel safe and okay, and uh, when it's settled, and then taking precepts and living in a, a context whereby you know, one feels that the, the the grossest form of abuse and harm one has taken steps to to really curtail that 
and particularly the harm one causes oneself through violence, anger, impulsiveness, uh, negligence, dismissiveness, indifference. Because uh, one begins to recognize that the most potent source of contact, again, is not really out there, it's in here. It's what I do to myself. Yeah. I don't know I'm doing it. When I say I do it to myself, well, what, what stuff comes up in me and bubbles over? The uh, irritations, the frustrations, the feelings of hostility, the aloneness, the desolations, the um, um, dismissiveness or whatever. And the way that the, the mind is when one's looking or seeing through this, it's rather like, you know, when you're looking through your spectacles and they've got speckles of dirt on them, you can see, God, it's a dirty looking place out there. You don't know, it's your glasses. Yeah. Today I was kept trying to, my computer, I was trying to erase this, this full stop that was on trying to erase, I've got this, it's writing a sentence, there's a full stop in the middle of it, and I keep going back to the curse and trying to erase it, and realize, oh, it's actually a speck of dirt on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> you can't erase it with a delete button, you've got to wipe it with a cloth. It's rather like that, is you don't really see it. Yeah. And so one of the, the commonest um, experiences we have is how it's out there that's doing it to me. It's other people are winding me up. It's, uh, she isn't really listening, and this isn't going on. All that is going on. And uh, just to to bear in mind that uh, really the only thing that touches the heart is feeling and uh, the meanings, these interpretations, these values, these felt meanings that, that rise up, a feeling of being dumped on or being blamed or feeling bereft or feeling overwhelmed, you know. And this, this is the kind of thing that happens, in the, it's not voluntary by any means, so we don't exactly do it. But when contact happens, then with any kind of sense space of contact, there's an internal registering of that, and that's what really gives rise to the sense of me. Yeah. the sense of me arises where an impression through the senses goes to the jitter and there's a resonance and then there's the me comes after that actually there isn't a me without a resonance some kind of resonance some kind of effect some kind of feeling of being affected but then you know the, the what occurs is that there's a that, that, that resonance where the me-sense happens, becomes seen as a, as a separate entity, like an internal me living in here, who's being got at by things. <laughs> it's rather like an echo that acquires autonomy. Yeah. And having acquired autonomy, then it is, it's, you did this to me. Have you ever noticed this? And when we uh, start to just sit with a quietly, sit still, breathe in and out, 
being our bodies, then all this, uh, you feel the resonances of the heart start happening. We don't recognize it as that. Thinking, thinking about this, thinking about the other. What's going on? You know, really thinking a lot or thinking of these particular things, you know, thinking of all the things I've got to do. Or thinking of all the things that have been done to me, or things that weren't done to me. What's going on? You know, so, and then these, these topics get so luminous, so dazzling. You really get into them in fine detail. And you recount them like marlas, you know. You get your pet grievance out, and you recite. Through old money, pardon me, you're going, grievance, grievance, grudge, grudge, shouldn't, should, shouldn't, should, shouldn't, should. <laughs> or never, they never, they never, they don't, you can't, you, you know, these kind of, you know, rosaries of frustration. Uh, rosaries of righteousness. You know, and it gets really in there, you know, and you're busy all day being righteous about something or the other. And uh, the, the way that the system works is it is able to charge these thoughts with tremendous luminosity and power. And certainly when one does this extended meditation, extended solitude, you, you know, you can be doing pretty li- pretty little all day long and just have the most incredibly passionate day, you know, drained at the end of it. I mean, going up a volcano in Bali was nothing like sitting still for, for an hour in, in Thailand, you know, in terms of, of uh, uh, adventure. <laughs> it's only charging up with things, stuff going on. <laughs> Over what, you know? Over, over something that happened five years ago. Or something didn't happen five years ago. Or they never did and they shouldn't. Or some impression one is oneself. You can't, you never will be able to. Let's face it, let's be honest about this. You're never going to da 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 da. You know, and you have this little mantra in the mind going on. And uh, the incredible emotional intensity. And, you know, one kind of realizes the emotional intensity in some ways, but the habit of the mind is to always go into the topic and wrangle with that topic and try and sort it out and think a bit more about it and figure it out, get this sorted out once and for all, you know. Let's get, be honest about this. Let's get this sorted out. And with the rosary of, of righteousness. And, uh, you know, and it, there's never an end to that because the rosary's a circle. It's going round and round and round and round and round and round until you get a bit tired. And you're tired. Oh, here we are again, you know. Been around the universe, oh, and here we are again. And you go around it one more time. This next time round, it perhaps a little less energy. So the fourth time round, I'm a little bit tired of this. I think, oh, I wish I could stop. <laughs> So then you maybe start on another circuit, which is, oh, I can't really meditate, and I'm really a failure. So you've got another kind of loop, and, and this, this kind of spooling of the mind, and not really getting to the point, believing in the thoughts and the impressions, dazzled by them, and not having the resources or the capacity to just 
sort of hold the emotional state, the tone of it, the energy of it, just to hold it steady and directly touch that and touch it in a kind, compassionate way, spacious way, no matter what the topic, no matter what the stories or the issues, no matter how convincing the description of oneself is and that you can't and you never and you wouldn't and you always and they won't and this and that just to hold that not even to try and stop it and say it's wrong or stupid you know because everything's got some kind of element of of truth in it but just to acknowledge now I'm actually burning up energy generating suffering for myself (laughs) Uh, do I really need is this really going to do me any good so you know just sometimes through the process of of so called meditation or just sitting there being with oneself one begins to see start something starts to learn to shift away from finding an answer to those thoughts and topics and drives you know, that's the one way of making contact is, is well let's sort this out there's another way of making contact which is just let's just step back not you know, just put it on hold just step back and feel relate to the whole thing as, as a felt experience movement, shift, change and, and just get down a very simple um, sense of that. This is frustration, this is sadness, this is wanting, this is not wanting. You know. don't even have to labour actually, just feeling the energy of, of, the, of the chitta and what is needed, um, what kind of contact is really needed with this. So when we recognize some of the, the material, the fundamental material in the heart, the you know, first thing is to, to not just immediately rush out with that and start punching everybody's ticket and telling you know, how it's going to be and should be and wasn't and isn't and so forth. Um, but is to come back to you know, being with the, the felt, feeling sense of it, the felt meaning of it all. And it's often, often this is a major thing to do because it is very difficult at first because often that's, that stuff is so poignant that it's like trying to hold a, a, you know, a raging goose or something like this, fluttering and flapping, it just keeps bursting out. You know? Or an octopus, you know, every time you get around one bit, another tentacle comes around and wraps it around, you know, pulls you over, and you kind of get around the thing. Um, <laughs> it's so big and slippery. So this is where we use the body, you know, so just trying to hold it in the, in the body sense, kind of open. Because we've been to just reviewing some of this stuff as it happens, you probably if you look at it just as an experience and then you begin to sense that there's different bodily senses that occur with with this uh, emotional emotive material some of it you feel very heart pumping, you feel very charged, some of it you feel sinking down 
But all of it, you're actually in a reduced bodily space. You're not with the whole. You can find it in your chest or your belly or up in your throat or on your shoulders or your hands. You feel, feel one bit seems to be either hyper-charged up or sinking down. Tense. It's, it's, and it's the very sense of bodily restriction that you can begin to work with. Like Try to feel where, you, where your body is resonating with that emotional experience and then maybe it's in your chest or okay what's happening in my head or in my back can I even feel my back oh it's funny I feel my shoulders are tensed I didn't know that I should drop the shoulder blades and just get to a bigger bodily sense so in a way you use the bodily sense as, as like um, a crucible or something that will actually hold emotional state, but first of all you have to open it up. So quite a lot of this can be done in standing, sitting, walking. Um, I'd really encourage, recommend using walking meditation and standing meditation, partly because whenever we gather we're always sitting down, so we, it becomes kind of imprinted as this is, this is the meditative bit. Um, but uh, when you walk along, for example, you tend to, just by that fact alone, feel your body a little bit more. You know, feel the movement of it. And you can also start to relate to the sense of moving through space, through the space that's around your body. So you can right up there to the sense of the body itself is in an open space. Because when you begin to contemplate these this heart states, these mind states, the overall Im- impression of a mind that's afflicted is it has a bodily sense that's also afflicted. We feel there's a weight on my back. We feel tight around the chest. We feel <coughs> defended or compressed. Or sometimes we feel spun out, you know, like, like you don't have any skin. Um, you're in some nebulous sinking void and something, and you're desperately trying to find some firm ground. So one of the things one can do in meditation, particularly walking or standing, is just to go to a, find a healthy space. Just coming up to the edge of the, the skin and the feet and the hands and the face. And feet. What, you know, the very contact impressions against the edge of my skin when I walk along are fresh and present and manageable you know, they're not ecstatic but it's not bad is it it's better than being poked with a burnt stick you know you can walk along and the space will always open up and something in you begins to relax just the sense that there is room here the tightness the compression of the heart you know, and you're using this bodily translation, you begin to empty that or loosen that tightness into this open space around the body. It's just a simple means, technique, if you like. So 
So the, the, the sense of that, the bodily sense, begins to lose this tension, which may not be that dominant, um, but because often what's dominant is the thinking. You're trying to go to the heart sense and then just feeling how, how your body expresses that. And can you just stand and go to the edge of your skin as if you're standing, and you can imagine things like standing in sunlight or standing in warm water or, um, or even being looked at with, a, with affection. You know, the body can perk up with that. You know, rather than being looked at like a blight on the planet. As a, <laughs> we can often feel ourselves. <laughs> Just notice what it's like when somebody says, oh, it's so nice to see you. Great, yeah, God, really pleased. So you perks up. You know, and you feel it in a bodily sense. You're suddenly chipper. Uh, or they say, oh, you're old, you know, da-da-da-da-da. You again, well, you disaster. Or, or they don't even bother to look at you. You know, yeah, hello. You go into this kind of sunken state. So we're just kind of trying to even imagine, you know, that a very pleasant, non-intrusive, non-obstructive space, however you do that. And it's interesting to just notice how you can do it from a bodily base or from a heart base. And, and the two will start to synchronize. You know, so if you walk along with a feeling of all the time in the world, nobody's on my case, I don't have to achieve anything, I'm just here, present, and uh, you know, this is, this is exactly the right thing to be doing. Oh, yeah. so the body p- picks up a bit. Uh, and if you stand, just standing is, is also a very interesting meditation. You stand and let your feet really, really rest into the ground. A lot of the time when, we, when we're standing, we're actually standing with a sense of either leaning on something, in other words, not really wanting to be fully here, we're just kind of hanging in till something else happens. <laughs> or standing with a sense of being on the, on the, ready to go, you know, like ready to do something, on, on, a, on your spiked shoes, as it were. Because nobody just stands, do they? You're standing waiting for something to happen. You know, so you shift around one foot to the other. Or you're standing, you know, so you're getting ready to go, standing ready to get somewhere, or standing waiting. So you're never actually just standing. And just to stand as if all your weight is coming down through your feet. And, you know. You feel the soles of the feet. You just can you feel once you start to connect to the ground, you can always feel the the charge in your body. Your kind of hyped up sense, and this kind of trying to feel the whole body and sweep up and down the body, just releasing that charge. So you generate space, working on the contact impressions. And what you do with that is you're clearing, clearing the slate of the heart from these contact impressions which are based upon compulsion, got to have, got to do, got to be, got to make, uh, fear withdrawal, can't do, uh, no good, useless, unwanted, you know, those kinds of impressions, which mean your contact is always either slightly holding back, slightly pushing forward, or severely holding back and severely pushing forward. And you want to come into the, the middle of 
it's okay to be here. And then it's actually interesting enough, the whole, when one has cleared the slate, and actually the quality of, of, of contact, not so much the topic, but the freshness and the momentariness of it as a subtle form of, of um, delight, ease. Uh, it's like you're actually in something. And it seems like a lot of times with, with the heart, the contact of the heart is, it's either trying to be in something, trying to get where the energy is, trying to get the res- response, trying to get the juice, trying to get something to happen, or trying to get away from it all, trying to not be this, you know. It's not actually comfortably in something. And, uh, you know, there's obviously very good reasons for that. But we can be carrying that model around. And always it's the problem is out there. Yeah. When to actually find a place, a situation where you can just not have to be, not have to make, not have to do, just, just enjoy or be with the sense of being open. And this is really what uh, you know, meditation, however one does it, is about. It's about having a situ- finding a situation where you can just clear, clear some space. And then the preoccupations, the topics that we can then pick up, you see them as, oh, I don't need to bother with that. And, well, life's like that sometimes. And, <laughs> That's a funny little thing I have. You know, it, it seems a much lighter way. They're not so intense. One of my small determinations for the rains is to just uh, made a determination to just um, round about dawn or just early light to uh, go out of my kutian wander aimlessly you know, there's a kind of sense of just opening up not looking for anything in particular no particular aim not asking for anything to happen just just go out with the softness the freshness it's it's a safe time generally dawn you know, the people who've been up all night generally gone down by then, and the next band of pirates hasn't actually got this act going. <laughs> it's between shifts <laughs> and saksara. It's a kind of <laughs> armistice time, dawn generally. <laughs> the rooster crowing, and that's about it really. And everything else is is, is having a breather. That's a nice time. There you go, there you go. This is this is better than being in Bali, <laughs> just uh, West Sussex in the in the rain, because the mind isn't asking for anything. Or what we want to do is just establish a, pla- a way of being open. Yeah, I do that almost as a kind of yoga of the heart. It's very small, 
unobtrusive yoga. Because we do recognize how even the, the, the sense of meditating or doing something to become more open becomes another topic that we get frustrated by and proliferate around. You know, how good we are, how bad we are, where we should be, what we should happen to, and how we are doing this, when we're going to get the results, and how good we are, and they never do it, and he's doing it wrong, this kind of stuff happens. So even the very things that are supposed to be about, you know, relieving, clearing the slate, become scrawl on the slate, don't they? You know? So you can sit with your meditation, and go, right, here we go, get something going on, or, oh, there we go, another hour of this. I suppose I ought to do it. It's probably good for me. Yeah, I'm suffering, so it's good for me. <laughs> Come to terms with myself as I really am. You know? uh, so, yeah, the programs start running, don't they? And this kind of residual base of contact, and then we see everything through that. Ideal, so that some of these felt meanings are ideo- ideologies, they're philosophical meanings. You know, maybe we we're trying to be more loving. Ideological meanings, we're trying to discover truth. Um, attitudinal meanings, we're going to be, you know, firm and upright. And these are all fair enough, you know. But when they become more scrawl, covering the heart, rather than means to reveal it, you know, that's where it all goes off, isn't it? And when one clears the slate, it's an opportunity to make contact with contact. So instead of just being the impulse, we notice, oh, there's a bit of a tremble there. Hmm, interesting. So it's winding me up. What's that? We go to that. And then rather than just immediately in, into the, into the buzz and riding on it and proliferating around it. And oh, something's, and where's that? You know, where's that sense of, oh, I've got to do this again. Where's that, where's that one? Oh, it's, it's sitting on my back, I think. I've got a, well, I've got, suppose I've got to do this again, demon, sitting on my back. Well, well, well. Whispering in my ear, right on my left shoulder. What are you doing back there? So one catches, you can able to catch these things before they really get in there and start start um, running the show. And you begin to begin to recognise these these contact uh, scenarios that occur, particularly when we live, you know, in, in relationships with other people in community life. You know, 
the pattern that actually wants some contact. You know, I need to find out where I am. I need to some contact to let me know where I am. You know, I want to know what's happening. I'm really clear. Where am I? Uh, you know, that kind of reaching out. Other people say, Look, I need. I need to just be left given some space. You know, I, I, I want to know where I am by being given space. So, so I can be with myself. I need some contact to know where I am. You know, and these kind of patterns happening. And, uh, you know, they're sort of the ways these can be interpreted. Because if, if you're in the state whereby you actually need some contact to find out what, where you are and to feel connected and so forth, and with somebody who actually needs some space to feel stable and connected, you've got problems. You know, why are you withdrawing? Why are you so aggressive? <laughs> and then, you know, the patterns that get the defensives and the, and the uh, things that occur around these, uh, you know, the, these patterns that we go through. And I, I certainly, you know, I can see all those happening myself. Sometimes I just kind of, oh, I just do some quiet be around. Nice. Oh, kind of nice to have a little chat with somebody. <laughs> Just to find out what's happening, how things are, you know. And then, oh, it's so madness out there, it's overwhelmed, all this stuff, you know. People leave me alone, give me some space. You know? Give me some space, and then, oh, what's going on? <laughs> I tell you, most of us is madness. <laughs> but then we actually can sense. Oh, what's needed now, right? Is is just a little bit of steadying internally. Oh, just a little bit of comforting internally. A little bit of warming. A little bit of reassuring. You know, it gets much more um, fine-tuned as to how one uh, contacts one's contact, one's contact hunger, one's contact uh, fear, or one's contact withdrawal, is to contact that and then to respond to it. Mm. Making contact with contact in the heart. Here you will. Um.